Today's episode is going to be about a very special aspect to fostering, which is parent and child fostering. And on the call today, I've got Ben Rice, one of our social workers here in the Bernardo's Fostering and Adoption Northern Ireland team, and Laura, who is our only parent and child foster care, would that be right? Yes. Okay. Let me just start off with Ben very quickly. Can you just explain what parent and child fostering is? It's a very specialised type of fostering. We we don't get a huge amount of referrals uh, for it, but we do get fairly regular um, referrals. And we certainly we have a situation where we, we, we can't meet the need, as you, as you, as you point out, Laura and Tom, her husband, are only parent and child carers. And really the trust will, will contact ourselves when they, when I suppose there's been, uh, there's ongoing involvement, there's ongoing social services involvement with a, a parent, um, potentially an unborn baby or potentially a, a child who's already been born. And there may be concerns just around the, the parent's capacity to safely and appropriately care um, for, that, for that child. Um, and really what the trust are looking for is a support supportive placement where uh, which is ultimately a safe setting but will allow then a, an assessment of that that parent's capacity to to care for for the child um to be completed um they're they're time limited placements uh we work towards a, a period of of 12 weeks um and I suppose that the reason for that is that they're they're very um, intensive placements. I mean, Laura will be able to speak more to that than than, than I. But there is quite a significant expectation of of our parent and child carers in terms of obviously being available, um, being and, and there to to support the the, the parent really at, at all times. Um, and that is that is quite quite a quite a, a, a an ask. So. For that reason, they, they are are time limited, but also the feeling is that twelve weeks does allow for quite um, quite a detailed assessment to to be made of of that parent's capacity to, to care for the the child. So yeah, that's in effect what 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 they are. You know, his, historically, I suppose there've been residential settings um, would have offered these types of placements, and whilst they are still uh, available, I think there's been a, a decrease in in resources there. Uh, so we found that the, the trusts are increasingly coming to fostering agencies to see if there are um, parent and child fostering placements available um, for that work, uh, to allow that work to be done. OK, so Ben, let me just recap a second. This is really an intervention, isn't it, by the trusts to try and keep parents and small babies or unborn babies together, but to make sure that a child is safe with that parent for whatever reason. They want to put the parent, often mother and baby, but it could be both parents mm-hmm. with a baby in a foster care situation for a time limited amount of time to effectively observe and see how that parent manages with the challenges that come with a, a very small baby. I'm assuming these small babies that we're talking about, so new newborns for the most part, is that right? For the most part, yeah. Okay, and I should also point out that we're in Northern Ireland and we do time limited for, as you said, was it 12 weeks? 12 weeks, yeah. Yes, in other parts of the UK, that might look very different in terms of how the placements work. So it's it's worth checking in to see what, what 
how other services support parents and, and children. Um, Laura, hello. Hello. <clears throat> so uh, I know we've spoken lots of times before about this in our virtual online events, but for the benefit of those people who are listening for the first time, can you just give us a, a sort of background of, of how you came into parent and child fostering? Um, okay, my husband and I um, came into Bernardo's in 2015, but actually prior to that, about eight years before that, we had, we'd always had an interest in fostering and had always felt that it was something that we should do and could do um, in the future. So we had previous to coming to Bernardo's, we had actually um, investigated fostering. We had gone uh, through a skills to foster uh, program that is usually run to give an outline it's normally I think uh, and Ben can perhaps correct me on this but I think it's normally about six weeks or something like that it can look slightly different depending on uh, how it's spread out but it was a really good course which um, gave us an idea of what fostering involved um, how it looked in practice um, it touched a little bit on the parent and child, although to be honest, I suppose at that stage, it was just generally we were thinking about fostering. Um, but at the end of the course, um, we actually decided that it wasn't for us at that particular time. We felt it would be in the future, but my husband and I were both working um, full time at that stage. And we thought that uh, for us, um, that it just wouldn't be the right time, that we wouldn't be able to give um, everything that we would want to be able to give to support um, a young person or um, somebody coming into our home. So actually we banked it at that stage. And then about um, eight years later, uh, whilst I was thinking about taking early retirement, um, I just happened to see an advertisement uh, from Bernardo's Northern Ireland looking for parent and child uh, foster carers. And to be honest, I mean, that really was, um, it stirred something in me. I've always loved tiny babies. I love that age with our own children. I also, I believe passionately about trying to keep a child with its mother within its family situation where that is possible and where that is safe. And coming from a teaching background, it also meant that it is something, again, that I have spent my my, my working life doing, which is teaching, mentoring um, and enabling young people to learn new skills. Um, so that all came together. And so we um, became foster carers, were registered with Bernardo's in 2015. Fantastic. So you went through the process of becoming a foster carer. And then what additional training, what happened thereafter when you were like, I want to be a parent and child foster carer? Was there specific training? Um, yes, although um, the agency in Northern Ireland didn't have any other parent and child um, foster carers at that stage, um, I have to say they were very well organised and Ben was my supervising social worker at that stage and was very good about organising um, specific training and bringing over some uh, speakers from the mainland uh, who had been involved in parent and child uh, placements um, to be able to talk to myself and others who were interested and in getting together with a few other agencies here in Northern Ireland who already did something um, of that ilk. So that was a really good foundation, as well as all the um, usual statutory training that we do with um, Bernardo's NI as well, because obviously a lot of you know, first aid, all those sorts of things will be relevant, whether it's parent and child or any sort of placement. 
One of the things that strikes me about parent and child fostering, as opposed to the more traditional form of fostering, is that you're not bringing one individual into your life. You're bringing a full-grown adult, maybe a young adult, but certainly a full-grown adult, as well as a baby, possibly both parents. And I'm just wondering if you can talk about what that is like to develop a working relationship with an adult, young adult. He was also just given birth, possibly, and maybe having the hormones all over the place. How do you how do you create an alliance? Um, well, as you say, you know, that is one of the big challenges. Um, ben touched on earlier about these placements are normally about three months because they are incredibly intensive. And that is one of the things that I think is different in that you're not just bringing a child into your home and a child who's perhaps going to school um, for part of uh, the, the week. Um, but someone who is coming in who will be living with you and an adult for 24-7. And on top of that, as you say, you have a brand new baby um, who will be waking through the night, who will be needing fed through the night. So that, I would say, is the biggest challenge of doing a parent and child placement, that you do have an adult and you do have the baby. And I think a big part of um, I think it's it's good to clarify that a big part of my, what I see my role to be is not directly involved with the baby. I mean, obviously, I am. I'm, I'm always there. I'm always watching. I'm always giving advice. I'm a sounding board for the mum. But I'm there to enable the mum to do it herself and to perhaps her uh, help her develop skills that she hadn't already developed so really a large part of my work is with with the mum. We have, when I talk about mums, as you pointed out, it can be a dad, it could be both parents. Um, my experience has been just with the, with the placements we have done, it's been a mum. So when I say mum, I just like to clarify that. So, so I think a huge part of it and a really important part of it is developing a good relationship with the mum. Because obviously you're there the mum will know when she's coming into a placement that this will be going towards some sort of assessment that is not carried out by me personally, but obviously it will be social services who will be doing the final assessment. But they will, uh, the reports that I have to write uh, both daily and weekly will feed into that assessment. So that can be very daunting for a mum coming in who, as you say, has just given birth. There's a lot going on. She's losing her sleep and so on. So I see it very much as being a multifaceted role. I'm there to support her, first of all, especially in the first half of the placement, um, because she may have had surgery. Uh, there are so many, the baby may really have some difficulties, may, may not be sleeping well. So it's there to be um, a support to the mum, a listening ear to offer advice. And sometimes I suppose it takes the, the mum a little bit of time just to trust me to realise that, yes, she she can ask questions. That that's not going to be held against her. I would always stress and say, look, we all ask questions as, as mums. Um, even if you've had several children, every child can be different. So don't be afraid to ask questions. I will, I will quite often maybe not have the direct answer myself. So I will be asking questions of other professionals. That's a strength to ask a question, um, not necessarily a weakness. So it's about encouraging her it's about being open with her as well. Um, so um, anything that goes in a report um, to social services 
will they have been seen by the mum. We will have discussed any issues that have arisen during the day will be discussed informally with her. And at the end of the week, she will actually see um, the assessments, any reports that are going back and will be given the opportunity to comment on it if she feels that she needs to. And then in the second half of the placement, um, it changes slightly. Um, whilst the first half for six weeks in, in our placements, which is how we organise it here in Bernardo's MNI, um, is that it is the emphasis is slightly more on the support at that stage. There will still be assessment ongoing. But in the second half, uh, it will be definitely give. Uh, I'm taking the, the opportunity to step back a little bit so that the mum has been given the opportunity to demonstrate the skills that she will need and that hopefully she has learned and uh, able to show um, such as caring for her baby physically, emotionally, all those sorts of things. And then she's actually given the opportunity to show that she actually has learned those and can demonstrate those uh, before the end of the uh, placement. I imagine that for new mums who are sort of on the radar of social services and new mums generally mm-hmm. probably have an awful lot of people coming into their lives trying to check on the baby and baby's progress. And I'm just wondering how much of your role is also advocacy and how much you have to engage with all those other services that may be supporting this young family. You're absolutely right. We often joke that, you know, the house becomes a little bit like Piccadilly Circus or revolving door because there are so many people in and out. Quite apart from social workers, you've got um, health visitors, you've got midwives, you've got uh, doctors, you've got all sorts of people who are involved in the particular in that particular placement. Whereas, and so I do feel that I am an advocate there for her as well because I will be the only sort of stable or constant factor throughout those twelve weeks. And I do get we do get to know each other, um, and um, on a very close level. If you are up um, three times a night and you're sitting together in her bedroom while she feeds the baby, which is one of the um, jobs that I would have to do, you know, we'll sit and we'll chat and I'll find out about her life. And, you know, I share some of um, my life as well. So your lives do become um, entwined uh, during that time. And so I think I do get a good understanding, whereas maybe someone who's only uh, dropping in maybe to do a PAMS assessment or whatever it happens to be, we'll only get to know the mum for an hour and a half, two hours on a couple of uh, off sessions. So I'm there perhaps to um, balance with other things that may not have been uh, apparent during that hour and a half that that person was there. Which brings me on to something else which might be going on. We often talk about, certainly in this podcast, and we talk about in the office about attachment and the importance of attachment for children going into families and I'm wondering about how that attachment works with a vulnerable parent Mm -hmm. who is looking to be to mother Mm -hmm. but may also need an aspect of mothering themselves. Um, You're right and and I know certainly in you know one or two cases in the past where um, the young mum you know has has been very open and and said that she would uh, you know she didn't have that parenting she didn't see that sort of um, attachment didn't experience that growing up and therefore you know she would actually view us almost as my husband myself as her as her uh, parents so I think a lot of it is modelling 
behavior as well. So you are modeling it, um, I find, you know, both even in our, in our relationship, I mean, my husband and myself, uh, modeling it towards the baby. Uh, we have extended family who um, pop, pop in to see us and spend time with us. Um, and so I suppose there's that modeling also with our own grandchildren or our uh, sons and daughters-in-law with their children. So I think that at least with, again, that's why that this extended period of time, 24-7, is actually very good because they can maybe see for some of them, it is attachment um, reality that certainly they had never experienced in their lives before. So you're quite right. That is another aspect or uh, another layer of what goes on in those three months. When you come to the end of a placement, you have to sort of land the new parent gently into their into their new role. Yes, and that has happened in a number of ways. And obviously, uh, when the placement comes to an end, is officially at an end, then I officially have no more role in it. But for a lot of the mums, they have actually requested that I would stay on, stay, stay in touch, and we would keep in touch with through WhatsApp and through text, and they would phone, video calls with questions that they might have um, because we built up that trust over the, the three months with, you know, showing me how their children have developed, which gives me the opportunity to affirm what they're doing and maybe to throw in a couple of other suggestions, because obviously a lot of what we do is directed specifically towards the babies at that stage. Although we do look ahead and we talk generally about parenting and good parenting skills but, uh, you know, other things like teething comes in later. And so I would be, you know, someone else to bounce ideas from. I know also, you know, each placement can be different. And uh, again, Ben will be aware that a situation arose in one particular placement where it was felt it would be a very big transition for the young mum to suddenly go. Although I had been backing off, I was still there 24-7, you know, if she had questions to ask or whatever. And therefore, it was actually I continued my official role by going one day a week um, for, you know, a month just to be there to see her in her own home and to maybe look at things specifically that I felt she could, you know, that they were pertinent to her own setting um, as well. And just to make sure that she understood that she still had that um, support ongoing rather than it just being um, a very sudden cut at the end of the placement. Oh, that's great to hear that. Uh, ben, let me bring you in again. What do we look for in a potential parent and child foster carer? Because it is quite specialist, um, we would certainly be looking for, you know, people who've had experience of, of parenting, parenting young, sorry, young children. And if not parenting necessarily, that they have worked with young children in maybe a voluntary or, or professional capacity. So, you know, it's when you think about maybe healthcare or caring professions, you know, you may be nursing, midwifery, health visitor, um, ch child care sector, um, child minders. People have worked a lot with, with, with young babies and, and children and who are perhaps maybe looking for a career break, um, or sorry, a career change, sorry, or maybe recently retired um, and feel that this is something they could do because we know that that fostering um it, it is is a big commitment and maybe some people feel that they don't they want to give something they don't feel they can offer full time placements um but have an interest in in this type of of, of fostering placement and be able to commit to that that twelve week 
period. And then obviously have, have breaks, breaks uh, between their, their placements. I know that can be quite, quite attractive to, to people who feel they can't do it full time. But certainly, yeah, so, so people who have that kind of background, I think, would be would be ideal. Um, but, you know, some will come to this with an interest and, and maybe not work professionally with children, but have parented. And maybe it's it's their own children, maybe more recently grandchildren, um, and that they can draw on that, that experience. I suppose people also have to be fairly confident and have capacity around good record keeping. I mean, it's absolutely crucial for all fostering, but even more so. Uh, for parent and child fostering because Laura's absolutely right um, the, the foster care isn't taking responsibility for the assessment as such but is a key component in that assessment and the recording um, is so that the recording of the, the the parent's capacity to you know meet the needs of the child and how they respond to the child is so crucial in terms of informing the assessment so you know those coming into this would need to be fairly um, you know let's say fairly confident and have that ability uh, to keep very uh, detailed, accurate records, and um, so that that, as I say, can inform the assessment. I, I'm hearing panicking slightly about what that actually might mean because you might be a really good, you might have great experience with very small babies, and you might be keen to learn how to keep accurate notes. I'm just asking: Are is there good, solid training into how you keep those notes and where those notes are kept? Presumably yeah. in an online. It, it would form part of our training um, for, for all foster carers, uh, to, to be honest. You know, so anyone who was coming into this process with, with a view to doing parent and child fostering, they would complete the, the core preparation training that, that Laura referred to earlier on. Um, but then we would be looking at putting additional training in. And one of one of the, the key elements of that would be recording, record keeping. Um, yeah, so there would be lots and lots of support with that. You know, you would have your supervising social worker who can you know, give feedback in terms of the the records that that you are keeping. You know, and frameworks to work to as well. I mean, you know, we we worked towards um uh, the Bath guidance around the you know the templates and models that that we use. But Laura has been incredible, really, in terms of of developing those and you know making them much more fit for purpose. In terms of accurately, you know, getting the information that we need from from the placements, and Laura, I think you know, is a big big plus for us in terms of the recruitment, you know, of, of any other parent and child carers because she's been doing it quite a while now and has had a, quite a number um of parent and child placements alongside Tom. Can't forget Tom. <laughs> um, and I've said I've had this conversation with her many times. I'm I'm so keen for her to be part of of the recruitment and. And training of of anyone else who would be open and unwilling and able to come on board as a, as a parent and child foster care because she's 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 done it and she's she's had the lived experience of this and and understands that and, and really a big part of that training is is helping you know new carers really get a sense of what the reality of that is like you know Laura's talked quite a bit about it there already just what it's like to have not just a child in your home but a parent. And, and that's why this is a, such a specialist piece of, of, of work of, of, of fostering. It is very, very different to the other more kind of uh, general fostering that we that we do. Um, so, yeah, people need to be thinking about the, the impact of that. You know, it can be significant enough thinking, oh, goodness, we've got a, a child uh, in our home now who we're, we're learning to get to know, but also a, a parent. And that parent may come with, you know, additional needs as well. You know, Laura has some experience of this where, yeah, maybe uh, a parent who's had learning difficulties, 
you know, potentially, you know, as has had the management of health issues in the past, and possibly physical disability. So yeah, it's 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 learning all about that. I mean, there's there's so much to look at in terms of a, of a training package for for parent and child caring. Um, you know, you've touched on it as well, just in terms of the importance of, of attachment, but also how you promote that and the parent. How do you help them? You know, build that uh with with, with the child um from from the get go because we just we know how important those those early days, weeks, and months are. Other things again, like Lauren touched on about how to build a relationship with 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 the parent. Is, is so so crucial. You know, Laura has has drawn on lots of different resources in terms of, you know, YouTube videos, reading, you know, other other tools that can really help a parent get to grips with what what's what's really required in terms of meeting the, the emotional needs of a child. Because yes, we focus on on the on the physical and 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 the caregiving from that point of view, but just as or probably more importantly, is just can they meet. The, the emotional needs um, of of the wee one, and I, I suppose I suppose for for us and, and Laura and I have had uh, had a conversation about this term many times. It's about what's good enough parenting, and that is really the I suppose the the crux of it because we have to be realistic in terms of where we will get that parent into. And, and in 12 weeks, we're, we're hoping that, that that learning will, will continue to develop with the other supports that they will have in place. But ultimately, you know, it's what, what social services will be looking at as well in terms of their assessment. What is is, is good enough? What what do we feel is enough in terms of the the the, the level of care and, and stimulation and all of those things that the, the parent needs to put in place that we feel it is safe and appropriate for, for the child to, to remain in? In the parents care that sounds great i mean i'm always always happy to hear the good enough thrown around because that's all any of us can be as a good enough parent absolutely and i suppose there's two things that may be going on with the adult who's coming into the house there may be anxiety shame guilt that they're in the placement in the first place and there's also the natural anxiety about being a new parent what new parent isn't anxious about whether they can be good enough so I suppose it's embracing and being sensitive to those dynamics as they as they play out when you're working in that alliance. Last thoughts, Laura, do you have any advice for anyone who might be listening to this who's thinking, I might I like to have a go? Well, I, I would have to say, you know, I have stressed, I've mentioned just, you know, that people need to be prepared for the fact that there will be, I mean, it is 24-7 for you know those 12 weeks and I've you know Ben has also talked about you know just being able the record keeping and all of that but I would have to say that and I think it's important that we we say those things but I I just get such a sense of personal satisfaction and enjoyment out of doing these that um yes they are tiring but I I just I can't imagine not doing these placements um, and I hope I'll be able to continue doing them for a while. I, I would also say that there are foster carers who work for private agencies, for trusts in England, Scotland, Wales and so on. I'm speaking from my experience of Bernardo's and Bernardo's specifically in Northern Ireland. And I have to say that they have been really supportive, um, you know, both as we started this journey, 
but each placement is different and you know different questions arise and it has just been I mean, I've never ever felt on my own I've never felt that um at all because I have a person I have a social a supervising social worker that I can go to we talk through okay right so this is different in this placement how are we going to address that um social uh the supervising social worker is able to speak to the um social worker in the trust they and they are then able to come to some sort of agreement whether it is a tweak in maybe um what we're doing or in the um recording something that will work better um so i've always felt incredibly well supported i also would i mean if if I had both the energy and if I were in a different situation, I would love to be able to do more of these placements. Ben talked about taking um, a break between placements, which is absolutely essential. My break is a little bit older, as I, is a little bit longer as I get older uh, to recover from that. And also the fact that I have my own children and grandchildren and they do, they're very understanding, um, but they do know that they, you know, we don't see just as much of them over the, the three month period because I am, I am literally like a shadow uh, with the mum and the baby for those three months. And so I need to spend time with them as well. But Bernardo's have always been very supportive of that um I think I'm maybe harder on myself feeling that I should be doing more but it is really good that I have always felt their support I've never ever felt on my own so I would just say if you're thinking about it please get in touch with uh, Bernardo's speak to to them ask questions and as Ben has said you know I know that if any parent and child uh, foster carers do come on here in Northern Ireland I have already said, no, I would really like to be there. So even if it's just somebody to bounce ideas from, because I've already worn this T-shirt a couple of times. Yeah. Well, that seems like a really good note to end on. I just want to thank you, Laura, for coming and joining us today and to Ben. And hopefully that's food for thought for someone who might be thinking about this area. Thank you both again. Okay. Thanks, Ness. Bye.